When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Yeah, I would say Fox has been pretty good. Your guys in the morning have been fantastic. They had a man who was saying, Trump is the greatest president ever, and there will never be one like him. Fox News knows of no evidence of any kind that the now president of the United States was surveilled at any time in any way. Full stop. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who spent Monday live tweeting a congressional hearing, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. And some of his tweets got fact-checked in real time at the hearing. At 12.42, the president tweeted, The NSA and FBI tell Congress that Russia did not influence electoral process. And about an hour later, Congressman Jim Himes of Connecticut Ask James Comey, the FBI director, whether that tweet by the president was accurate. It certainly was not our intention to say that today, Comey responded. In other words, the FBI director just called bullshit about what the president said he said while he was still saying it. But what's more important is what Comey did intend to say, that the FBI is currently investigating possible collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia to interfere in the election. Can I just repeat that? The FBI is investigating whether Trump's peeps worked with Russian spies to steal a presidential election. Yeah, that's a big deal. In the words of the New York Times, Mr. Comey placed a criminal investigation at the doorstep of the White House and said agents would pursue it no matter how long it takes. This is a story that Trump has been screaming about as fake news. Well, it's not fake news. The investigation exists. It's real. The FBI director just confirmed it. It's happening even if the Republicans on the Intelligence Committee aren't interested. And I have to say this about the Republicans on that committee, like Devin Nunez. If you aren't interested in whether Donald Trump's campaign worked with Russian spies to throw the election, what are you interested in? What could possibly be more important? In a moment, the TV network that's been feeding the president a lot of the fraudulent stories he's been tweeting about. I'll be back to talk to Gabriel Sherman about Fox News right after we do the tweets. North Korea is behaving very badly. They've been playing the United States for years. China has done little to help. James Clapper and others stated that there is no evidence POTUS colluded with Russia. This story is fake news, and everyone knows it. The Democrats made up and pushed the Russian story as an excuse for running a terrible campaign. Big advantage in Electoral College and lost The real story that the Congress, the FBI, and all others should be looking into 
is the leaking of classified information. Must find leaker now. Just heard fake news. CNN is doing polls again, despite the fact that their election polls were way off disaster. Much higher ratings at Fox. My guest today is Gabriel Sherman of New York Magazine. He literally wrote the book about Fox News. It's called The Loudest Voice in the Room. I've reviewed it twice, and I I loved it both times. Gabe, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, So I thought it was time to talk about Fox News, partly because what's been happening the last few days with Judge Napolitano, is that what they call him, picking up this, this nonsense about Obama getting the Brits to tap Trump's phone. I mean, there's so much craziness here going on. It's hard to know where to start. But what's and then you have Shepard Smith and other people in the news division of Fox News saying that the story that came from Fox isn't true. So it sort of raises the question, what the hell's going on at Fox News? <laughs> I think that's a question that could apply throughout basically the entire network's history. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's this is sort of a, a classic case of uh, this echo chamber that's been created between Fox News and Donald Trump, in which he is, this is not the first time he's, you know, retweeted or promoted things that he's seen either on Bill O'Reilly or Fox and Friends. Um, so this definitely fits a pattern. But it also uh, touches on something that I'm picking up from a lot of people I talk to inside the network, which is that, you know, since Trump's inauguration, there has been a, a very strategic direction from the top down from Rupert Murdoch, who is running Fox News, that Fox will be the in-house channel for the Trump White House. So all stories have to be filtered through the prism of whether they do do, does this help Donald Trump or not. And that is creating tension, as you've seen, with some of the people uh, at the network who try to, you know, wear more of a journalist hat, as difficult as that is at Fox, uh, Shepard Smith and Brett Baer among them, to try to, you know, put distance between the sort of the rantings of of uh, Trumpism and and journalism, but um, you know I think they're sort of on the losing end of of, the, of that that trade because the network has decided for ratings purposes it has to be in the tank for Trump. So, well, what happens to those people then? I mean, if you're Shepard Smith and you're like an honest journalist who wants to report news kind of the way it might be reported at CNN or somewhere else, and there's this directive coming down from Rupert Murdoch that we're on Team Trump. What do you do? Do you get out of there? Well, in the case of in Shepard, Shepard Smith's case, I mean, that's difficult, um, you know, partly because he's making uh, north of $10 million a year. He was one of these people who Roger Ailes showered uh, attention on and paid him, you know, wildly more than he probably could get at any other competing network, you know, partly because, you know, for, for years, uh, Shepard Smith has been held up by Fox as the, the sort of ideal of the fair and balanced journalist. And he's in many ways, and I don't say this with disrespect, but it's, it's sort of the cold hard truth. He's there mainly for PR purposes so that whenever Fox is attacked as being a right wing megaphone, Roger Ailes, you know, would hold up Shepard Smith and say, well, no, we're not right wing. We have Shepard Smith here. So he kept getting promoted and paid more and more because of his value to the network's brand. You know, even though he was demoted and he lost his 7 p.m. show and now he just hosts the 3 p.m. dayside show for a salary that he could definitely not replicate elsewhere. So it's tough for him. I mean, if he if he's so unhappy and he wants to leave, it obviously would have to be 
uh, there's a financial component to that. But do they want Shepard Smith there? Because he's now he's not just a token of fairness for them. He's calling them on their bullshit in in a very public and effective way. Yeah. Well, and you raise a good point. I mean, that's obviously something that that didn't uh, necessarily happen so much in the past. And I did hear from a very high ranking Fox talent recently who actually did you know spend most of our conversation gri- griping about Smith. So yes, I think you do raise an interesting tension that could become, you know, more pronounced as if, if Shepard Smith decides to sort of be the in-house ombudsman of con- sort of calling BS on, on Fox's uh, pro-Trump coverage. Is it as simple as there are the news people at Fox who are kind of like news people elsewhere, except some of them have better legs, versus the kind of comment people who are now shills for Trump? Is it like a split or is it a continuum? No, I mean, that, and that again, that's a fiction that Roger Ailes promoted to sell his audience on, on the myth that Fox was fair and balanced and it wasn't right-wing propaganda. Um, you know, and they would, they would aggressively push back on reporters and say, well, no, there's a Chinese wall between news and commentary. And the opinion starts at, you know, let's say five o'clock without, with, uh, with the five and goes through prime time. But, you know, during the day, we're journalists. And I, you know, the years I spent reporting on Fox, I found out just how, you know, fake that was. And, you know, really, this, this, this started with Ailes running it and has continued to a degree under Murdoch, where every morning there's the morning editorial meeting where they decide uh, on the second floor, which is the management uh, floor at Fox News, what stories they're going to push aggressively throughout the day. You know, if you watch, you know, Fox News, uh, starting with Fox and Friends and continuing into the nine o'clock hour and beyond, you're going to see, you know, a through line of continuous stories that are taking a pro-Trump line. Right. And it it was also interesting, well, not just about the pro-Trump line, but uh, Megyn Kelly, who's now gone, you know, was someone who seemed to be sort of porous across that border of news and opinion. And of course, now that she's gone, she would like everyone to have remembered her as someone who was on the news side. What was distinguishing about her, though, was that Donald Trump picked a big fight with her and attacked her. So she was an enemy of Trump, but without being sort of in the straight news category, right? Yeah. And if you do, you know, look back at, you know, Megyn Kelly's highlight reel at Fox News, you'll see that she uh, aggressively promoted, you know, Roger Ailes's sort of more race baiting and right wing stories like the obsession with the new Black Panther Party or the time that she famously, I guess, infamously called said that Santa Claus is a white person and that Jesus was a white man. So there, there is, you know, a, a part of... Megyn In response Kelly, to a Slade story, by the way. Yes, so exactly. So she, you know, was very happy to, to play that part when it was benefiting her rise at Fox. And yes, when she did uh, find herself in a feud with Donald Trump, you know, she was able to savvily, you know, maneuver herself into being perceived outside of Fox News as a more fair-minded reporter. Rupert Murdoch is like an endlessly fascinating villain. I mean, he's a he's a Richard III Nixon-level villain in that sense, in that he's, it's sort of, sort of so complicated and interesting how he evolves and changes. But my read at the moment is that he is saying, there goes my audience, I must follow them. That is, it's not ideologically motivated that he wants to support Trump. He wants to have a good relationship with Trump himself because he likes to have a close relationship with people in power, particularly in Anglo-American countries. But it's mainly that his audience is so Trump, so pro-Trump that he has to position Fox around his audience. Do you agree with that? I do and I don't. I think you're, you're right in the sense that, yes, there's definitely a business uh, aspect to this. But I think what's so fascinating about Rupert 
Rupert Murdoch at this moment is that his courtship of Trump is so wrapped up in uh, his pathos of being uh, a mogul that won't relinquish power. And furthermore, his relationship to Fox News is just endlessly fascinating to me because it was the one part of his empire that for much of its history, um, he really had very little to do with. He's not a TV person. He's a newspaper man at heart. And his relationship with Roger Ailes, you know, while it was chummy at times, it was there was a competitive aspect to it. And, you know, Ailes throughout his, you know, 20, nearly 20 years running Fox News, you know, created a lot of headaches for Murdoch. And now that Ailes is gone, what I hear from people inside uh, Murdoch's world is that he wants to show everyone that he, you know, Roger Ailes is not as central as people like to think, and that Rupert Murdoch really had the guts and the foresight to create Fox News. And he's spending all of his time now on the second floor. He works out of Roger Ailes' former office. Um, he personally decided to promote Tucker Carlson to the 9 p.m. show, replace Megyn Kelly with, with Tucker Carlson. So this is Murdoch's time to really put his stamp on Fox News. And he would love nothing more than to be able to show Roger Ailes, you know, listen, under my watch, the ratings were actually better than when you ran Fox News. And then the last thing I'll add to that, which makes Murdoch's um, closeness with Trump so fascinating to me, is that Murdoch, for all of his years in America has never really had a personal relationship with the U.S. president. He's met all of the presidents. And, you know, while he, the Fox News was very closely aligned with the George W. Bush White House, it was never uh, the case where Murdoch had the president of the United States on speed dial. And that is now what, what Rupert Murdoch has achieved with Donald Trump. They speak as much as sometimes every day, uh, definitely multiple times per week. As I've previously reported, Trump asked Murdoch to submit names for the FCC uh, commissioner. And now, intriguingly, Donald Trump's Justice Department has inherited a federal investigation into allegations that Fox News may have broken laws in the way they covered up Roger Ailes's sexual harassment cases. So Murdoch now also has uh, the interest in, you know, perhaps having Trump uh, slow walk or, you know, fire Preet Bharara, for example. Exactly. Now, now, there's no evidence that I've reported yet that they had that conversation. But again, it begs the question that these relationships in many ways are transactional. And Rupert Murdoch is now benefiting from the, the closest relationship he has ever had with a U.S. president. Right. I mean, if you're Rupert Murdoch, you have a huge interest in, say, the, you know, Time Warner ATT merger and presumably making it harder or making it not happen. And those kinds of business interests transcend even Fox's bottom line. Oh, of course. Exactly. And Murdoch has throughout his his years, whether it was cozying up to the Thatcher government in the 80s, which helped him bust the British newspaper unions, or um, in the 90s when he wanted to expand his satellite and pay TV offerings, you know, Tony Blair's government was very close. So this is this is a pattern. But what I think is so interesting is that it gets, you know, at more at Rupert Murdoch's desire to be powerful and wanting to have that personal relationship with with the president. Um, and now he has that, you know, he's it's probably not the president that he would have, you know, been his first choice famously during the campaign. Murdoch was kind of trolling Trump on Twitter. But now that, you know, Trump is in office, Murdoch has decided he's my man. Well, and here's another element of it. I don't know if you would go with me on this. Jared Kushner is the son Rupert wishes he had. He treats him respectfully, deferentially. I mean, Jared Kushner, I think, really sucked up to Murdoch in the pre-presidential years. And his own sons 
are a bit more of a problem. I mean, for one thing, they're embarrassed by Fox News, and he put them in charge of it for about five minutes and then said, uh, never mind, I think I'll run it myself. Exactly. You know, that's something that I, I actually haven't thought a lot about. And now that you mention it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, Jared is the kind of young man who makes older men feel, you know, like they're the center of the universe. And uh, when Jared Kushner bought the New York Observer, he was constantly calling Rupert and asking his advice about newspapers. And, you know, he, he, you're exactly right. I mean, he sucks up to Murdoch in the way he probably Rupert wishes his own sons did. And if you run Fox News, you got to be a little worried about your right flank in the sense of the sort of Breitbart, alt-right kind of movement and its potential to create, you know, the, the new Fox News, to do what to Fox News, what Fox News did to CNN 20 years ago. Without question. And that goes back to what happened to Megyn Kelly when she was feuding with Trump, or I should more say when Trump was feuding with her, um, Fox saw that her, the, their audience was firmly on Trump's side. And Megyn Kelly got you know, emails and, and death threats and the, bra- the blogs and Breitbart was you know, attacking her from the right. And that showed Ailes and Murdoch that in this divide, you know, that's where the audience was. And now you see with Tucker Carlson, uh, her replacement, his show is you know, ardently pro-Trump. And he basically spends most of his show attacking Trump's liberal uh, critics in academia and the the media. So um, that tells you, yes, that Fox needs to protect its right flank. Do you think Fox is turning into America's RT, that is the equivalent of Russia today? Russia today is, is, you know, the televised heir to Pravda in that it's the government propaganda network. But of course, it's a million times more sophisticated than propaganda in the Soviet days. And, you know, you could watch it if you're not a sophisticated consumer of news for a pretty long time without realizing that you're getting propaganda. Well, I don't think Fox has demonstrably changed from, you know, the Ailes blueprint in that I think it's, you know, trapped, it's, it's long trafficked in conspiracy theories and, you know, uh, these bizarre obsessions, whether it's the war on Christmas and, and others. Uh, but I think that what's changed, as you point out, is, yes, it's now aligned with the power structure in the United States. And to the degree in which, you know, there ever was such a thing as like state television, you know, when you watch Sean Hannity's show on Fox News, you're basically getting a White House spokesperson. I mean, Hannity's on the t- nose and talks to Bannon and Spicer and all those guys all the time. And it is the closest things we have to, in a, you know, an official or unofficial broadcasting arm of the White House. So yeah, I think what's changed is, you know, Fox is Fox, but now we have a a person in the White House that is, you know, a creation of this network, a creation of this conspiratorial style of thinking. So Trump is now just saying with increasing frequency, Fox is fair to me. I like Fox. Watch Fox. All the other networks are, are bad and are against me. And he is giving access much more to Fox than to anyone else. He's given like three interviews in a row to them. Yeah, not only is Trump giving access to Fox, he's sitting down with some of its the network's most notorious characters. You know, he recently gave an interview to Jesse Waters, who was you know for years was Bill O'Reilly's goon and and man on the street who would do these ambush attack style interviews um, in in really kind of offensive and disturbing ways. And he got a lot of flack recently for you know doing a what was perceived to be a racist set of interviews in Chinatown. So these are the people that it's not like, you know, Donald Trump is sitting down with Brett Baer or, or Shepard Smith. I mean, he's sitting down with the most ideological players at the network. And that's, again, a, sort of a form of legitimization. You know, Barack Obama, you know, mainly was talking to, you know, fairly, 
you know, mainstream journalist. And yes, he did the Daily Show and he did, you know, so, you know, entertainment and, and sat, satirical interviews. But by and large, our news culture was, you know, legitimizing real journalists and not super hyper partisan commentators. And what should we know about this Judge Napolitano character who, who has clearly has a relationship with Trump and seems to have gotten this idea about the British spying on Trump for Obama from RT, from Russian propaganda? Yeah, I mean, Judge Napolitano is a classic Roger Ailes creation. I mean, he's a, he was a superior court judge, a state court judge in New Jersey. He was a guy that, that Ailes got to know. And, you know, suddenly he is being promoted on the network as a legal analyst. He's, you know, he's someone that, you know, only could exist in, you know, Roger Ailes's own, own world at Fox. And the idea that he is now an authority on national security and surveillance is, is kind of hysterical. And, you know, we now have international dip- diplomatic crises being, you know, being sparked by completely uninformed pundits on Fox News. I mean, the whole thing, I mean, it sounds like an episode of Veep if it wasn't real. I mean, I'd, <laughs> I'd laugh, but it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. And just as a last question, what, what's your sense of where Trump is getting his information from these days? Is it just Fox? I mean, it was sort of turning into a running joke that he was kept saying, I'm nobody watches CNN. I'm never watching it again, but then kept watching it. But now it actually seems like in the morning he may just turn on Fox and Friends and actually not watch CNN. Yeah, I mean, my uh, my sources in Trump world say that, yeah, he watches, you know, basically a lot of Fox. But the other thing he does from uh, a source close to the White House has told me that he does DVR basically all of the cable news. I mean, it's it's kind of remarkable when you think about it, that someone would actually want to watch cable news on recording. Donald <laughs> Trump apparently, apparently he does. And when he goes back up to the residence at the end of the day, I've been told he does spend a lot of time flipping through the cable uh, networks, including CNN, and catching up on the way he's been covered. I mean, this is a man whose validation, you know, is cemented by the way the media uh, covers him. So he sort of obsessively monitors his media coverage. But yes, I think his primary source of live uh, information is Fox News. And then the, the, the press clippings that his office uh, presents to him, which, you know, includes a heavy, as we now know, a heavy digest of Breitbart, which, you know, sparked um, the infamous tweet that Obama wiretapped um, Trump Tower. I've been speaking to Gabriel Sherman of New York Magazine. Gabriel, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. Good to do it. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. Andy Bowers is chief content officer of the Panoply Network. And John D. Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Today, Mr. Comey said that the FBI had no information to support my allegation that Barack Obama wiretapped me. Let me tell you something. I have the information. It's tremendous information. It's very, it's crystal clear. It's crystal clear information. I know that he did it. I have it. I'm not going to turn it over to Comey because he's obviously working for Barack Obama in the deep state. 
and I will get a new FBI director, and we will get Jeff Sessions in there, and we're going to take care of this. We are going to take care of this. And I will prove that I was wiretapped at Trump Tower during the sacred election process. I actually have it right in front of me. I'm looking at it right now. I have the proof. The proof's tremendous. Tremendous proof, crystal clear proof. This is going to be incredible, I have to tell you. Believe me. Believe me.